Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coach Unplugged is brought to you by great people over at teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. Here is your host, Steve Collins. Hey everybody, happy Wednesday, episode 469 of Coach Unplugged. Before we dive in, I can talk today, dive into our interview with Mark. I just want to give a big shout out to our sponsors. I think you're going to love this interview, but the reason we're able to bring these great interviews to is because of teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Not only is it a great resource and community and like-minded coaches and one-on-one calls and a mentor in me, um, you know, I've experienced all of it. There's a, you have lots of choices. You have choices that are twice as more than twice the, the cost. Your things are cheaper, but um, you don't really have anybody that's been through the battles one at the level that I've won at. Um, you know, I, again, I'm not boasting, but it's just, it's, it's reality about that. I've experienced it. I've coached at the youth level, the, the high school level, the collegiate, I've coached at all levels, played at the collegiate level. Um, so I understand what you're going through I've, and I've won. I've, I think we're almost up to 90 collegiate players I've sent off and, and seven or eight professional players, a couple NBA players. So I can help you become a better basketball coach. Let me help you. Come over to teachhoops.com, and, and I can help you through that process. Also, make sure you go over and check. And one of the reasons I've been successful is a machine like Dr. Dish. Make, so make sure you go over and check them out. It's great people up um, in Minneapolis. They're, they'll take really good care of you. And uh, mention Coach and Blood. We'll give you $300 off your next purchase. All right, let's head off to the podcast. This is part one of two parts. Here we go. All right, welcome to Coach Unplugged. Uh, it is, uh, first of all, thank you for taking out of a nice Sunday. Cause we're, we're, we're taping this on a Sunday. Um, it's, it's 80 where you are, you said, and it's like 75 and sunny here. So I appreciate taking a, a couple hours, Mark, out of your time. I would love you to just kind of give a background of your coaching career and just kind of your journey to where you've gotten to the point where you are right now. Could you do that sure. for our listeners? And then we'll then we'll dive into and talk about a couple other things. And I've got tons of questions for you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Um, so my coaching career started when I was in college, started coaching at the youth level and um, really instantly fell in love with it. So I was going to, uh, to LSU and, and just had an aha moment of this is what I want to do the rest of my life. So I got out of school. Uh, my plan was to get out of school as quick as, as I could. Started coaching at my alma mater as an assistant coach. And uh, at the age of 21, I, I got a phone call and uh, somebody offered me a head coaching job over the phone. So, um, that's yeah. lucky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
and uh, they could guarantee me a job. I was graduating in December. They could guarantee me a job in January. So uh, I ended up taking that job. I don't think you're really ever ready to be a head coach. Um, so the situation I was in was a very low expectation job. It was a small school. So it just seemed like a natural fit for a 21-year-old. And um, I learned a, a great deal. Spent three years there, ended up uh, getting a job at a school with a lot of uh, great basketball history. They had won a state championship the year before, and uh, I was there for three years. We were able to have a lot of success. My second year, we won another state championship, and my last year, we, we lost at the buzzer in the semifinals. Those are the worst. I've lost a couple state – I lost an overtime state finals. I've lost – those are horrible. Those yeah. – those- those are wounds that don't that don't heal quickly when you're that close. No, I, tell, I tell people it's almost better, and they laugh at me. I said, it's almost better when you lose in the second round because it's like you just know that year you weren't good enough to win it. Like you had some deficiencies. But right. it's when you get that close. It's like losing the Super Bowl. It's like, oh, so close. And, and it was one of those situations where we were probably the two best teams in the state playing in the semis. But um, Yeah, we had that happen three years ago where, you know, the Hauser, one of the Housers was there. He's at, he, I don't know where he's going to end up, Virginia. He's at Mar- he just left Marquette. And then uh, we, one of my kids ended up at Darwin. And it was just like, oh, my gosh. It's like that game should – the following year they started seeding our state tournament. So it didn't help us. But – Right. Um, <laughs> it's so, a good thing. Something good right. came of it, at least. So after that, um, after that year, I, I, I got a job at my alma mater. I've been there for six years, going on seven. And uh, really, my, my coaching journey has, has been uh, really, I, I've been blessed, been very lucky, uh, fairly young coach to have the job that I have now. But I, I think that one of the best things I've done is really just committed to a style of play and, and I was going to determine what our program was going to be good at and how we were going to win and lose games. Credit to a lot of other coaches for helping hold that with me. But right. I feel like that's where I've really turned the corner as a coach in the last five years. I think you hit something early too, and I was thinking about this as you were talking. It's like I don't, <laughs> there's a lot of young coaches that listen to this podcast, and it's like I mean, I know when I, I mean, I didn't even get the first one I applied for. I thought I was ready. I thought I knew everything. And until you get thrown into the wolves, you, you, you can, you can be prepared. Don't get me wrong. You should over prepare. You should have everything kind of thought about. Um, but just like running a business, you know, you got to be able to pivot. You got to be able to move and something's not working. You got to go in a different direction. And you know, that's what it, it took you, you know, how many years to come up with that, that practice quote unquote practice plan or that plan that would work for everything in your program. It takes a while, I think. Right. And, and the coach I worked for as an assistant for two years was super organized. His practices were, were detailed and planned down to the minute, which uh, was a, something I took from him and really helped me as a young coach. But right. Uh, so the X's and O's, you know, I, I taught what I knew and I feel like that's really important for young coaches, but, the yeah. downfall of that is it doesn't really inspire you to be innovative at right. the same time. And so without a lot of experience, it's tough to, to want to innovate and change things. You teach what you know, but definitely the best place to start. And, um, and then you're, I've always considered myself a lifelong learner. So even when you get that head coaching job, there's still so much to learn. 
Yeah. The thing is, and, and, and that's what I would tell somebody. If they get their first head job, I would say that first year, just grab the side of a chair and hold on. It's, <laughs> it's, it's hard to be innovative because you don't know what's around the next corner. Um, especially it depends on when you get the job. If you got nine months, you can be a little bit more innovative. But, um, you know, if you get that job and you got two months, you just got to like, you know, just hang on. And then, then you can reevaluate. And, I, and I've been doing this 34, 35 years. I still reevaluate every year. What did we do well? What didn't we do well? How can we change it? You know, I was in with yesterday with my, one of my assistants for like an hour and a half, two hours. You know, and I've done this a long time and run a lot. And it's like, we're trying to tweak this defensively. We're trying to tweak this because we're looking at the group that's coming in. <laughs> um, you know, you can't teach every kid the same way. And we have a group where we're going to have to do some things differently. Um, how would, what would you describe if someone's listening to this and they just, they just, you know, maybe they skip through the first 10 minutes. So shame on you. But well, how would you, how would you describe your coaching philosophy? Um, well, we are a growth and, and we are really committed to developing better basketball players. Okay. So, uh, we try to be really patient. We try to have a very clear defined way that we're going to play the game. So we can be really streamlined. Um, but what we want to do is, is we want to teach players how to play the game. Uh, we want to teach them, obviously, how to be better men and better students and, and better citizens. But uh, with basketball, it's just we want to provide a culture where getting better is the focus. And that's going to be more important than really any offense or defense that we run. It's we're going to promote a culture of this is a learning and teaching program. And, 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 and for coaches listening, that's hard. It's hard to go, oh, gosh, we got to spend some time on, you know, it, 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 that's a difficult thing. It's like teaching to the test. It's difficult. You want the kids to learn. You don't necessarily, right. you know, um, and the test is the game day. You, you were talking about being innovative. How do you think you've been innovative, innovative in your coaching career? Um, so one, one thing is uh, we want to play with pace. Like I, I tell team, if, if you want to, given this past NCAA tournament, if you want to know the way we play in transition, it would be Auburn's transition system. I mean, we get it out, we go, we shoot a lot of transition threes. Uh, defensively, we play Texas Tech system. We're no middle, we switch everything. Um, we ice ball screens, which I don't see a lot at the high school level. And really in the half court, I couldn't compare us to anybody because we want to create advantages our guys enjoy playing in a system where they can make plays for themselves or for a teammate. And the, the number one thing we want to do on offense is create space right? and, and allow them to utilize their strengths. Uh, we obviously do a lot of teaching in that. It's not a, uh, it's not dribble drive, right? How to take them offense, but it's a create space and, and you know, it's a more read and react probably. Yeah. And it's not a, it's not a lot of cutting. It's not a lot of screening. Okay. Um, but I'd say the best thing that we do is when we get penetration uh, and we break the three-point line or get into the paint, we are so well-spaced that I always use the analogy that uh, if we bring football into this, a average college quarterback can look like an elite quarterback because of the system he's in. Right. So, so how, two, two things. So how do you teach transition threes? Like how do you teach them to do that? So um, we utilize what we call the count method. So, uh, you know, the basketball immersion, Chris Oliver does a great job of talking about zero second decision making. 
Okay. And, uh, so we are always, we say we're hunting one count threes, meaning the first second the ball is in our hands, we are catching and shooting. Most coaches know uh, um, you're most open when you first catch the ball. But I feel like when you're running a system that's predicated on running offense, your players uh, are most open when they catch, but they're catching looking for action off the ball. They're trying to see what's happening on this down screen or stagger or post up to where you lose that, that spacing advantage. So we try to catch with a one count advantage and, and we want to shoot the three on every catch that we're open. Okay. And, and is there specific things you do to, I mean, it is, it, I, I, I can see that in the half court. Um, how do you, how do you get, I mean, do you, do you, do you say two dribbles and that ball should be up at a three pointer in transition? How do you, that, that, I didn't word the question right. How do you teach? How do you teach the movement from defense to offense to get those open threes even before all five people maybe even make it down the court? Is there okay. stuff that you do to do that? Sure. Yeah. So I, I think um, we're a pressure man-to-man team. So we we want guys to dribble into their shot. And when we if we get a defensive rebound, we have our guys just rebound and go because okay. we're we're a positionless system. So we don't run a numbered break. We're getting out wide. We run the two-sided break, which is kind of a, a new part of the game the last few years, um, to where we can beat it. With Describe speed. that. Describe what you're talking about. So the two-sided break would be uh, two wings running on the same side. Um, a lot of times you have symmetry in the break where you might have two guards, two wings, and a rim runner. Right. We, we will have two wings up the side. What we used to teach is, you know, push the, the first guy through so we have symmetry. Now we, again, we're, we're very irregular in what we do in the half court. So that two-sided actually gives us our spacing in the half court. Uh, because we're completely positionless, anybody can fill those spots, and we don't have a rim runner because we consider the post a place of attack, not a, not a position. Well, I hope you're enjoying that as much as I am. Please take 30 seconds, go over, subscribe, and like. Um, we would also love if you went over and checked out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Um, it is the solution for your coaching angst. It is the solution for that offense that you're looking for. It's the solution for you wondering what you should do next offensively or defensively. It's just dealing with parents. It's dealing with that player that won't play hard for you. We're all there to help. It's a great supportive community. Um, go over and check it out. I don't do not think you'll be disappointed. All right, back to the podcast. So we're not filling that spot in transition. Uh, so on a make, we would designate three guys to run the wings. We'll have two on one side, one on the other, and our two best handlers will be our inbounder and or outlet. So they're pretty interchangeable. Um, and we really stress uh, the ball crossing half court in the air and that, you know, the hit ahead pass, super important for us. And um, throughout the course of the game, we just wear teams down where we feel like that ball crossing half court in the air is obviously faster, but with that two-sided break, we get a lot of one downs uh, or one ups on those extra passes. So you talk, so it goes to wing and then to the corner for three, or it goes correct. Yeah, so it's and, harder for the defender to decide who he's going to guard. Yeah, especially if we don't have a rim runner, so there's no one at the basket. So a lot of times teams will will get out wide and run with us. So we might. 
our point guard, if we don't hit ahead, we might drive it in, kick to the corner, and then corner throw up to the wing. Uh, so it happens either way. We can go to the wing and one down to the corner or to the corner and one up to the wing. I love that. I love that. Um, what, um, what do you do? Let's so, okay. So let's say, you, let's say you, you make it or miss. It doesn't matter. It gets the ball up. It's a pass, pass, goes to the wing, goes to the corner. He shoots a three. Do you teach everyone crashing? How do you, how do you, do you, do you want offensive glass? How does that work? Yeah, so we're always going to err on the side of aggression. So okay. this, this year we uh, had our shooter get back and all four guys crash, all, the other four. And we felt that was really important being positionless where we didn't have to assign a halfback or a fullback. Uh, and that's where we used to be. We used to always have a halfback and a fullback and send three. Uh, I'm sure a lot of coaches out there would agree. If you want to send three, typically maybe only two will go. And then another one is hanging around or you're trying to get yeah, yeah. the curve. I like, I like the idea. I, and I'm, I, this is where I've been playing around with just keeping things very simple. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, no layups means no layups in transition, nothing in the paint. It's kind of the Texas tech, Virginia, all these kind of things. But I think that I love that idea of if you shoot it, you're back. Um, right. Cause I'm, I was a shooter when I played in high school and college and i my coaches and I argue about that. They always believe the shooter should bother a shot. I go, well, I never took one I thought well, I was going to miss. So why wouldn't I just get back? You know, um, there's a mentality of that. I love that. So I, I, I love your talk about spacing because literally offense is all about spacing. It's, it's what's the NBA. It's all about spacing and the NCAA and it's all about. So how do you teach that on a regular basis? And are, are, are there five spots like, Baseline, baseline, wing, wing, top. Are those the five spots? So we'll we'll always have a two guard front. Oh, okay. Two wings in the corner, and then we will have what we call the stretch position, which is that high wing. So if we were running that two sided break, where you would naturally fill as the secondary wing. Okay. Um, and we are really wide to the corner, so basically it's a lot of uh, the co you reference the college game spacing. They have that spread ball screen spacing where they okay. have. Uh, a side ball screen, a post roll into the rim. They have the shake action behind with two shooters, weak side ready. Uh, we we don't run spread ball screen, but that's our alignment. Okay. Uh, and what we do is is we want our guards to get downhill. We we have some actions that we call Rose series, uh, named after Derrick Rose. Right. Uh, and what it does is you know a lot of dribble drive teams are just so reliant on their point guard creating their own advantage we do it with the pass so uh we set a lot of we we pass guard to guard a lot and set a lot of blur or rub screens okay um and then adjustment we can do is we can we can space the floor differently off that pass but what we really want is to create a small advantage we feel right. like if we can get shoulder to shoulder with the defender we're forcing help um and we are just going to be really unselfish with moving the ball. And uh, like I referenced earlier, what really makes what we do really good is our spacing when we do get that paint touch is so good that our decision making is really elevated because the decisions are so easy. Right. Um, because we're so well spaced. What we don't have is like a post player in there crowding things up. We don't have a stagger screen happening on the backside. Um, when we drive, we have four players around the three-point line waiting for a one-count three. Uh, they are just shot prep, 
knees bent, hands ready. Uh, so when the ball hits their hands, they're ready to shoot or throw that extra pass. And we're, we allows us, that allows us to move the ball around the perimeter with a lot of rhythm and to constantly attack. Interesting. Do you, do you take bad shots? Um, we, we track in game. We track big advantage shots, small advantage shots and bad shots. Okay. And, um, after every game, we found an offensive analysis where we, we see what percentage were big advantage, what percentage were small, what percentage were bad. Typically, 80% of our shots are big advantage shots. Which are, in, which are rhythm shots. They're either layups. Uh, you know, really, anything in the paint is going to be probably contested against your better team. We will consider that big advantage. Right. Uh, we'll consider it small if we've got like an easy pitch to the corner and we're forcing a little bit. Uh, but really, we're we're about 80, 70 to eighty percent big advantage. We'll have ten to fifteen small, and every once in a while, we'll have a couple where we're just like, "Man, that was really bad." What's right. so powerful for your team is to see, like, on big advantage shots, we had one point two points per possession. Right. On small advantage shots, it was like point four, and then on bad shots, it's like we didn't make a bad shot. Right. So really powerful tool to show your team. And and is it because they're so prepped that that it's is the bad shots happen because they are just so prepped and the like I'm catching and it's going up that it's 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 too late at that point and they have to shoot it or uh, either that or we're so well versed on if I, if I can't get my one count shot my next action is to drive it uh, because uh. I didn't get my one count shot because you took away my room. Close out, beat the ball there. Uh, so what we like to do is, is if you're going to close out long on me, I want to take advantage of that right away. Right. Uh, so really, we encourage our guys to be a passer third. So we're looking shoot, drive, pass, um, which really simplifies things for our guys because they love playing in the system because their coaches always tell them to be ready to shoot. And if you can't shoot, go drive and score at the rim. And, right. And if they and, stop you, do you do you banana cut behind then? Um, so if I kick out to you and you drive? No, so I get it. I drive. They stop me. Do, do you okay. get the four other guys to rotate? Like we call them banana cuts. But it's basically, if you, you know, maybe I'm in the wing and I drive and you're in the corner. You, you move as I'm driving. Do you, do you have movements to fill the spot so if I get stopped, I can kick it back out at that point? We do. We um, we would say that we'd call that a crack back or okay. an escape cut. Um, if we're in the in the um, paint and somebody else drives, we would escape and fill their spot. So we're going to switch spots. Uh, but what's really good is typically the guys on the weak side on your drive are already spaced in that corner and high wing to where they're just ready to step into their next shot. Got uh, yeah. So we don't we don't have to do a lot of push pull on the perimeter on drives. Typically on the ball side, like you referenced, but on the weak side, we are we're stationary, looking for those one count threes again. Can I play for you if I can't drive? Uh, absolutely, uh, you can. You're um, you'll get a lot of threes, right? And we'll we'll run some actions to get you those threes. But really, if what I love about what we do is if you're not the best driver in the world. We are going to use those blurs and rubs to give you a little extra help. Um, okay. And, and what, how, do, how, do the, how do those actions look? 
So that would be like 45 degree cuts. We don't, we never basket cut. I know the, uh, I used to be a motion coach, a five out motion and we ran it really well and I loved it. And I, I really felt like I was giving my team freedom, but what players want is they want freedom with the ball. They don't, you know, I'd always say, well, look, when you pass, you could cut, you could screen, you could get a flare. That's all freedom. You do what you want, but they want the ball to be free. So when we made this adjustment, uh, we eliminated the basket cut because we felt like it was just very redundant, monotonous in our motion. We never hit it. Um, even if we cut hard, the passer might not be looking or if the passer's looking, we're not cutting hard. And they're so, not good. Pa- and they're not good passers. <laughs> and it's tough. Yeah, and it's a tough pass to make. It's, pass. it's like the um, slip. It's like the slip pass. It's hard. It's a hard pass for a high school kid to make. They're a good right. one to do it, but yeah. Got to anticipate it, and yeah. you got to be on the same page. But what what we are really determined to do is, if there's something in our system that we're like, well, we really don't score off this, but it's just part of what we do. Instead of just de-emphasizing it, we eliminate it. Okay. That way we can be very streamlined and like this is the stuff we actually score on. So I so I'm that kid that can shoot threes like no tomorrow, but I can't really drive to the basket. So you're saying you do the 45 degree cuts, but not to the basket, more to like the block. To the corner. So if if me and you were the the guards, right? A lot of people call them the slots. Yep. And I pass guard to guard to you. I'm cutting directly to the corner on a 45 degree cut that are to the same side corner or the opposite corner to the to the side of the the court that you're on so i'm going to pass to my left and cut to my left at a 45. okay and then and what's gonna, what's the guy they're going to do then that's there already you're he's going to lift okay. out of the corner just like a motion cut would i cut yep. to the corner that lets you to the wing yep. and what that does is that gives you a chance to drive off of me and i'll set a nice rub or illegal screen for you to where if you can't create your own advantage off the dribble, we're going to do it by giving you great space. You're going to have a triple cap to drive to where at the very least with an illegal screen, you might be able to score even without it. If you can just get a paint touch for us, that's a win because now we've collapsed the D we're so well spaced. We can move the ball around the perimeter. Um, and what we also do is we provide guys with some protection plans to where uh, if I do throw that pass to you in 45 degree uh, cut for you to use it, you don't have to even put it on the floor. You can then throw it to the wing and cut away and get yourself in the corner and get yourself spot up for a three if that's what you do really well. So you can still play to your strengths. But again, going back to our program, my coaching philosophy, we are all about your growth and development. So even if you're a shooter for four years, you're still going to do all of our attack stuff. Right. That way you never know with players development by their senior year, they might be a guy that can do both. They can do that. I, I agree. Um, if you could, if you, if you could only do three things at practice, what would you do? Uh, we would work on transition. Okay. Um, that we have just emphasis in our program where we're going to transition. We're going to be seamless in the half court offense, and we're going to be really disruptive on defense. So uh, we kind of kill which, which really great about our system is a lot of coaches, again, going back to innovation and, and modernizing the game are now working offense and defense together. Right. Instead of, instead of isolating everything, what we really 
have been able to do since we don't really run offense. We teach a lot of decision making and spacing. We get to run skill development. Uh, if you're working on skill development, you're working on our offense. And if we're teaching you our offense, you're applying those skills. Right. So really, already there's no fluff to our practices. Um, so I would do small sided games. I would do a lot of shooting and I would play five on five. Okay. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that podcast as much as I did. If you did, go over and leave a five-star review. If you didn't like it, don't do anything. <laughs> um, also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Um, become a better coach. Put your Take yourself outside of that comfort zone. Join our community. Let myself and our entire community help you through this great journey. doesn't matter if it's parents. doesn't matter if it's the kid not playing hard. It doesn't matter if you don't know how to break the one three one zone. We will help you. So go over and check it out. Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network.